0: Can you please turn with me to John chapter 19? John chapter 19. Boy, I'm glad that it will rain today. It's gonna to be a good rain for the veggie garden, that's for sure. Um, as you all know, it's been quite hot the last few days. Or these week or so. The wind's blowing too, the door shaking feels as though summer has just reached its peak and we're into the second month now of 2023. Do you believe that? Quick, isn't it? Second month, February now. Uh, And we're into the first week, halfway through the first week or even more than halfway. It just seems not long ago that we just celebrated New Year's, isn't it? Just not long ago it was Christmas and then just about a week ago it was Chinese New Year. Not that I know because I'm here. We don't know anyone else that celebrates Chinese New Year. Unless you do, <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, we, we used to, when I was a child, I remember going back to the village when it was um, harvest season. My family would take trips to the village in the hinterlands during the festive season. And there's always a sense of, a festive sense. There was gonna be a celebration. You know, there was always excitement as a kid. And then when we went back there, all the cousins and close relatives would huddle together and when we when we met in the in the lounge and then we'll grab one of 20 odd mattresses in one of the rooms and then just put them out in the, in the lounge and we would sleep there. And in a day, the village was vibrant. It was full of life. People cooked outside. They mingled with relatives in front of their houses. And there was an area under a shade outside your house. It was like a, a deck, but it was shaded and you'd be sitting on bamboo woven mats. Uh, The floor that you sat on would would also be made of bamboo. There were lengths of bamboo split in half and suspended about 15 feet off the ground with bearers and posts made from ironwood. And underneath the longhouse, they would rear some animals to eat. That's where they reared all their animals. They didn't have uh, big farms with animals in them, they just had all their animals under their houses. I remembered walking from one longhouse to the next meeting your relatives, your friends, the people that you met last year, uh, cool guys and cool girls. Uh, we all come together as kids and, and, and uh, walk around the village or bathe in the river. And then as dusk approached, everyone hurried home. Everyone had to, they either went home or they went to a relative's house really quickly because there were more power cuts than there was power and uh, you couldn't rely on the power there. Most nights were dark, and because we were in a valley, it would be pitch black. You couldn't see anything. You couldn't even see the moonlight. There's no moonlight, because you're in a valley and it's um, blocked by the mountains. If your torch went out before you got to your destination, you would have to feel your way there, and that was dangerous. You could walk right off the platform and end up with, well, who knows what animals underneath the house, fall off the bamboo bridge that connected the villages together. And it wasn't a shortfall either. river down there, the river was some ways down. It seems obvious to have a source of light with you. But you'd be surprised how many people find themselves in that difficult predicament. Some forget, some are just careless while others are just plain ignorant. But they all end up in the same place. They all end up in a pitch-black darkness, exposed to danger. God in all His power and omniscience has given us, His children, instructions and commandments to guide us through this life. He wants us to obey Him in love. He wants us to trust Him in trial and difficulty. And He promises to direct our paths when our decision is to trust in Him with all our heart and not to lean on our own understanding. And when we are obedient to that calling, We ourselves can be assured that we remain in His will because we are relying on the Lord. We are relying on Him. You know, the past couple of weeks, or even few weeks, going over chapter 18 or 19, I tend to visualize the crowd, the screams, the frustration, the hate that they had towards the Lord, even though they had no reason to crucify Him. No reason to crucify Him. They might have had a reason to be angry with him, but to crucify him, no. The Passover festival was around the corner, as we know it, the last Passover that the Lord would be with his disciples, and the crowd were more interested in condemning Jesus, who had healed many many people for the glory of God. They were more interested in that. Maybe they thought that they were going to be more justified or holier by siding with the Pharisees and the chief priests. Maybe that was the answer. If you haven't been part of a food fight, you've probably seen one on a movie somewhere. It all starts with it starts with one person throwing a piece of pie or something. And then people just jump into it. Suddenly everyone is throwing food everywhere. Now that everyone's throwing food around, everyone is thinking, let's all do it. Let's all do it. It's called sinful nature. We all have it. One person starts, the other person starts. And then the next thing you know, there's pandemonium. Paul wrote in Romans 7, 19-20, For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. We all fall short of the glory of God. And the Apostle Paul wrote, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. That's why we need the Word of God. We need the Bible to guide us in life. Nobody can say that I'm a good person. I don't need to to know God. I'm a good person. It's going into the Word of God, seeking His will, and the Holy Ghost points us to the light as He gives us understanding in all things. He is the comforter. He is the restrainer. He is the Holy Spirit. Reading about Pilate, as we get into the the subject of the crucifixion, I imagine his confusion after he questioned Jesus and found no cause for crucifixion. But the Jews still insisted that Jesus be crucified. There was no excuse worthy of the punishment the Jews were insisting on. Jesus spoke from the Scriptures, quoting from the book of Psalms, when he was speaking to his disciples, he said, In John 15, 25, he said, But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that it is written in the law, in their law, they hated me without a cause. In John 19, it is written that Pilate commanded Jesus to be scourged. And this was by no means a slap on the wrist. The whips were made to inflict injury. The soldiers not only put a crown of thorns on his head, they mocked him and smote him after putting a purple robe on him, signifying royalty as a jest of humor. They made fun of him. Then after that, Pilate came forth again and told the crowd that he found no fault in Jesus. Pilate? He said he found no fault in Jesus. He didn't want to crucify Jesus. I think that he thought somehow it would appease the crowd that Jesus had been, as it were, taught a lesson by the torture and shame he endured. The Bible shows us the contrary. It didn't work. It didn't work. The Pharisees, they were successful. They were successful in manipulating the crowd. When Jesus walked forward in the condition that he was in, Pilate probably thought that the punishment Jesus endured would appease the crowd. And Jesus, after the scourging and torture and embarrassment, that they would have some sort of satisfaction having seen the wounds inflicted on our Savior. That this was enough this man had been punished more than deserved for his alleged wrongdoing did it work no pilate was wrong when he realized that the crowd were not going to relent when they were not going to going to back off he approached them once again and was up front with them saying he found no fault in jesus over and over again but the chief priest insisted that jesus be crucified despite the visible shame and injury that he endured no mercy no grace just anger, hate, jealousy the enemy was hard at work the opposite from what Jesus teaches then after Pilate told them to crucify Jesus themselves they finally gave him the reason Jesus made himself the son of God they said you think that After hearing those words, Pilate would be somewhat relieved. Now, since he's somewhat in the know, he knows what's going on. But scripture says that Pilate was more afraid. He was more afraid after hearing this. In Matthew 27, 19, it's written that Pilate's wife told him. She said, and I quote, Have thou nothing to do with that just name? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Pilate tried everything. He tried diplomacy, he tried appeasement, he tried to get out of the whole ordeal by sending Jesus away, but the crowd kept bringing him back. They kept bringing Jesus back. Then he asked Jesus, "Whence art thou? Or in other words, where are you from? Think about it. Why would Pilate ask Jesus where he was from? Did he not know that Jesus was from Nazareth? That's how they identified him. Well, he wrote the sign, didn't he? He wrote the sign. Well, maybe it had something to do with what his wife told him. What about what Jesus told him when he was questioned? When he questioned Jesus. Jesus previously said to Pilate, he said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. After... Pilate repeatedly asked Jesus if he was a king. So, as we've already seen, previously Jesus had already answered that question. Pilate was more interested in pleasing everyone else more than he was interested in the truth. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? In verse 10, Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? And then Jesus answered, "Could Thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivereth me unto thee hath the greatest sin. The Bible says in verse 12 of John 19 that from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. Pilate, in a dilemma to do what is right, should he release Jesus or succumb to his desire to please the Jews? He sure looked like someone who couldn't make up his mind, didn't he? Couldn't make up his mind. A way to get a good look at what's going on here is to understand not so much what Pilate's position was, but who Pilate was as a person. It is recorded in history that Pilate made some decisions as the governor of Roman Judea that enraged Jews. And in an uprising... The Jews were gathered together to voice themselves in front of Pilate. And what Pilate did was he ordered his soldiers to beat them up. History records that some were beaten to death. There are some historians who record that Pilate ordered his soldiers to disguise themselves, to blend in with the crowd of the, these Jewish protesters, the Jewish people who were voicing themselves. The soldiers carried daggers, which they used to dispose of those who were voicing themselves. And many Jews perish as a result. That's the kind of person Pilate was. So why would a man like Pilate seek to release Jesus? Why would he even care? Well, it's my belief that a part of Pilate wanted to believe in the truth. There's no doubt that what the works that Jesus did was prolific. It was heard around everywhere. Everybody knew who he was. Pilate had an opportunity to believe in the truth, but he decided not to. He decided that the truth was not enough for him. He decided to keep Jesus at bay and treat him like like any other commoner subject to his rule. He decided to ignore his wife's words and, and reject the words of Jesus. That's what he decided. In the end, he chose to serve the hate of the world over the righteousness of Jesus. When Pilate therefore heard that saying he brought Jesus forth and sat down in a judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement but in the Hebrew Gabbatha and it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour and he saith unto the Jews behold your king but they cried out away with him away with him crucify him Pilate saith unto them shall I crucify your king the chief priest answered we have no king but Caesar then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified and they took Jesus and led him away Did they say that their king was gone? No, their king was Caesar. Because they served themselves. And Jesus, even under the duress of pain from being crucified, after suffering from the wounds inflicted, from the scourging, after being humiliated by the evil around him. Anyone here ever been humiliated? Am I the only one putting up my hand? Jesus, Jesus, He thought about others. He thought about others. He didn't think about himself. He thought about his mother, Mary. In verses 26 to 27, scripture says, When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour the disciple took her home, unto his own home. In his hour of death, Jesus made sure that all things had been taken care of. And only after that did he give up the ghost. Jesus said it is finished and then he gave up the ghost. Pilate would later release the body of Jesus to uh, one Joseph of Arimathea, who would be joined by Nicodemus. Nicodemus who bought a hundred pound worth of myrrh and aloes that would be used to bury Jesus. I'm not sure if that's over the top, but that sure sounds like a law. The chapter concludes by telling us that Jesus was buried in a new tomb that was in a garden near the, to the place he was crucified since it was a time of preparation for the Passover. So they were preparing uh, for the Passover. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, they were both chief rulers who were afraid of being open in their belief in Jesus. Yet here we see them both taking Jesus' body, and putting it into the tomb bound with traditional myrrh and aloes. What a stark difference from their works before, what they would do before. Not long ago I signed up to make some furniture and the man who designed the instructions had had been a joiner for decades. I remember as I was making the various parts, because you made these various parts, but you don't necessarily know what these parts are for. Uh, You sort of envision it in your head, you try to use your logic, but you don't necessarily know what they're for. And So I had many questions as to why certain things had to be done, or certain markings had to be made. You'd use these interesting tools and then you'd drill holes in these um, random places. Well, they were random to me, but they weren't random to him. Even though I did not yet know the answers, the designer of the course was always around for me to ask questions. He was always there if I had the questions, if I was, if I really needed those questions answered, he was always there. God is the architect of life. He predestined before the foundation of the world was laid that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. That's his predestination. That's his will for our life. When we are seeking his will, he will lead us to where we need to go. Scripture says in Genesis 15, that the Lord brought Abram outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness. Then in Genesis 17, God says to Abram, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations." Nations, plural. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. Abraham would become the father of many nations, Nations that included not only Jews, but Gentiles alike. Gentiles also. Believers who were once unbelievers, destined for destruction, would hear the love of Christ who died on the cross for all mankind. They would have faith in the living God who would count their faith in His word as righteousness. Romans eleven twenty-five says, For I would not brethren... Brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, talking about the Jews, talking to the Jews, that blindness in part blindness in part, is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Jesus spoke the words that came from above. He is the living word, and those that believe in Him would be brought under the same cover of grace and forgiveness that was paid in full at the cross." At the day of Pentecost, the Bible tells us that the Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven, heard the wonderful works of God being spoken in their language, but some also mocked in disbelief because they heard their language. They thought these people, Some people thought that they were drunk. And then Peter stood up boldly. This is Peter, Peter who ran away after denying the Lord three times he stood up and gave a sermon. And I will read what he said towards the end of what his sermon. You will bear with me. Acts 2, 36. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this unto a generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Receiving the word, they were baptized. Baptized. And the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing that the apostles and Peter stood there. Seeing that it was only 50 days after what just happened. Because 50 days prior to this, Peter who denied Jesus and the disciples who forsake him who forsook him were grieving they were grieving in defeat what about now now they are fearless men who only fear God the holy ghost was doing his work in them he was teaching them giving them understanding in all things jesus died for everyone who would believe in him and the father who sent him and god offers us the gift of salvation freely. Anyone is invited to receive this gift by believing in the Son whom He sent into the world to be offered on our behalf. Through Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. Judas Iscariot was given every opportunity to believe in the Son of God, yet he decided to betray Jesus instead of believing in Him. Pilate was prompted by his wife to not have anything to do with Jesus. He then heard the Lord speak the truth the truth that he would reject to please the crowd that was there. Although it is not mentioned in the scriptures, it has been recorded in history, in the history books that for reasons unclear, Pilate took his own life just like Judas. It would not surprise me that it was for the same reason. I don't claim to know every psychological challenge that a believer or non-believer will ever face in their lives in their walk of life. But I do know this, that those who believe in our Lord and Savior can choose to seek comfort in Him. We can choose to wait on the Lord, to trust in Him. We as believers, we have hope. We have hope that most people don't have, those who don't have Jesus. That hope is non-existent for those who have not chosen to believe in our Lord and Savior. With the Lord, there will always be forgiveness. It is written in John 3.19. And this is the condemnation, that the light is coming to the world. And men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. Their deeds were evil. That's what happened to Pilate. The light was there. He saw the light, but he didn't want it. Because his deeds were evil. There are unbelievers like Judas Iscariot and Pontius Pilate who decide to reject the truth that would set them free from the yoke of sin. They don't want it. They don't want it. They're so used to their sin. Why? Because they love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. And then there are unbelievers who decide to become believers. Like the Jews, devout men of the house of Israel who repented after after hearing Peter preached. As a result of sin in the world, every human being born into the world will at some time face difficulty. Some may find themselves in the hour of difficulty more than not. Isn't it? As children of our Father in heaven, when we face an hour of trial in our lives, remember this. Remember this word. Jesus was delivered for our offenses and He was raised again for our justification. No one, can separate us from the love of God. In conclusion, I would like to read from Romans 8:1. There is now, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Jesus paid the price in full, so we would not have to. It is a gift of is it is a gift to us because he alone is God, isn't he? And even though it is free. It is a free gift. It was paid with the most valuable life that has ever walked the face of the earth. The only life worthy of satisfying the judgment of God. Even though the gift of God is free, He paid it with the life of His only begotten Son, His most prized. And as we depart from this place of worship today, let us think on those things. Let us consider that. That God gave His only begotten Son to us to reconcile us to Himself. The psalmist wrote, Praise ye the Lord, or give thanks unto unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we have to worship You in this place. And I pray, Lord Father, that as we are faithful, as we practice our faith, as we live in your light, as we seek you in all things, that you would continue to lead. And I pray, Lord, I pray that your hand will guide always. And let us always remember that God is always here, that he's always watching, that he's always available for us. We know that you're always there, Lord, and that you desire that we Live every moment of life in remembrance of your Son, knowing that He is here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.